0: The Joe Pomp Show is brought to you by U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is the Joe Pomp Show. Today, we're going to be talking about NBA owner Mark Cuban and his $3.5 billion sale of the Dallas Mavericks. Now, we're going to get into the details around why I think Mark Cuban is selling the team today, and it goes much deeper than him just taking a profit off the table. But I think the most logical place to start is on Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, most of you know, news broke that Dr. Miriam Adelson and the Adelson family, for those of you that don't know, the owners of Las Vegas Sands, the world's largest casino company, the news broke that they were selling $2 billion worth of stock. Now, $2 billion is obviously a lot of money, but it's also 10% of their total holdings in the company and 5% of the company's entire stock offering. So it was a big deal. Now, I wouldn't normally get jazzed up about this type of stuff because I like sports business and what does the casino have to do with sports business? Well, the interesting part about this was that in the regulatory filing where they were talking about selling the shares, it specifically stated that the proceeds of the sale, this cash proceeds from selling the stock, was going to be used to buy a majority stake in a professional sports franchise. Now, they didn't say a team. They didn't say a league. They didn't say a city. They really didn't give us anything outside of that. So I immediately start speculating. My first assumption is that it's probably going to be in Las Vegas, right? The Adelson family lives in Las Vegas. They made a bunch of their money in Las Vegas. They used to own a bunch of hotels and resorts and casinos in Las Vegas. They own the local newspaper in Las Vegas. They obviously have a bunch of influence and connections in Las Vegas. It's got to be in Las Vegas. The only problem with that thought was that none of the teams really made sense in my head, right? I thought about the Raiders. That's obviously a huge asset. It would be great to own that. The problem is that they were $6.2 billion and Mark Davis has no intention to sell because he inherited the team and loves it. Number two is Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA champions also owned by Mark Davis. Great asset Tom Brady also just invested. Again, the problem is that they're worth nowhere close to $2 billion on the flip side. Number three would be the Golden Aces, Stanley Cup champions. Again, problem, the valuation. They're worth $1.3 billion. A $2 billion purchase of that would be a massive overpay. Number four, the athletics moving in from Oakland. They have to go build a stadium, but they're only worth $1.2 billion today. So again, the valuation doesn't make sense would be a massive overpay. The one that probably made the most sense in people's eyes was an NBA expansion team. That was the theory. Everyone knows that the NBA is going to expand at some point. And the idea is that one of the cities is going to be Las Vegas. So at face value, it makes a lot of sense. The only problem with that, as I thought through it, was number one, the NBA is not going to be expanding for a period of time. Commissioner Adam Silver has already said that it's not going to happen until they do their next media rights deal. But I really don't think it's going to happen until like 2030 or maybe even later. Now, I do think Las Vegas is going to get a team, but the second problem with this is the valuation. People are saying $2.5 billion today, but it's going to be much higher than that when we get to the point of expansion. These valuations are going to continue to rise, and someone's going to pay $3.5, $4, potentially 4 potentially 5000000000 dollars to expand for the NBA in the future to get a franchise in Las Vegas. So $2 billion doesn't do it. So again, the problem was I just went through five teams. None of them make sense. Where could they be buying a team? Well, sure enough, news broke shortly after that speculation on Tuesday night that it was Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks. They said that the deal was getting done at a $3.5 billion valuation. The Adelson family was going to take control of the team, although Mark Cuban would still be in control of basketball operations. Now, there's a lot that goes into this. Again, the Adelson family is the owners of the Las Vegas Sands. They're extremely, extremely wealthy, which we'll get into in a second. But more so, people were wondering what was going on with Mark Cuban. I mean, literally 24 hours before, he had just stepped down from Shark Tank a show where he had invested millions of dollars in hundreds of businesses over 15 years. And now 24 hours later, he's selling his NBA team that everyone knows he loves, that he's owned for two decades. I mean, what's going on? Everyone is running rampant with speculation and wondering what he's up to. Obviously, some people thought he was running for president. They wanted to know if he no longer believed in the long-term growth of the NBA. Or maybe, maybe, did he need some cash to fund other investments? Now, I don't want to speculate too much on personal reasons around what he might be doing on the financial side or his family obligations or potentially running for president. We'll get into that in a little bit, but time will tell what the real reason is. Instead, to me, this feels like it has much more to do with the Adelson family and specifically the Adelson family backdoor lobbying to legalize casino gambling. And I'll explain. So look, Mark Cuban's impact in history with the Dallas Mavericks cannot be understated. In the year 2000, Cuban paid $285 million for a majority stake in the NBA team. This team stunk. They were no good. The Dallas Mavericks were no good at the time. They'd only won 40% of their games over the 20 years prior, and they had a playoff record of 21 and 32 over those two decades as well. So Mark Cuban comes in, and he makes a ton of changes. He was a fan before he bought the team, so he already knew a lot of the stuff that was wrong, and he comes in like a bad out of hell. He just starts making changes. And the most beautiful part about all of this was he didn't just start firing people and bringing in his own people. He really just ended the nickel and diming that had plagued the franchise for decades. And I'll give you a few examples. One of the things that he did initially was he renovated the entire locker room, just completely new locker room. He said, this thing sucks, too old, brand new locker room, put up the money for it. He also asked the players, what can I be doing better to make you perform better? And the biggest piece of feedback he got was that they stay in inadequate hotels while traveling. They're not comfortable. They're not nice enough. So immediately he said, okay, we're only going to be staying in five-star hotels on the road from here on. So that's what he did. Cuban also provided catering to the players and their families after every practice and every game, right? That wasn't a thing that the Dallas Mavericks had done previously. Furthermore, he bought a 757 jet for team charter flights. He also introduced advanced analytics to aid in the scouting process and the development of players. And he beefed up the coaching staff enough so that there was a one-to-one player-to-coach ratio. Now, these things, the five or six things that I just mentioned, cost Cuban personally and the franchise personally millions of dollars annually in investment. But perhaps Mark Cuban's biggest impact came with the fan base. This episode is sponsored by US Bank. If you ask me, nothing goes together quite like food and football, especially in the fall. College football on Saturday and the pros on Sunday. And the US Bank Altitude Go Visa signature card provides the perfect way to earn rewards. Whether you're watching a team with other superfans at a local eatery, or in the comfort of your living room. I know me personally, there's nothing better than sitting at home on Saturday, watching college football all day long, and ordering some delivery. You can earn four times points when you dine out or have food delivered. Plus, you can earn two times points at grocery stores, which is great if you're tailgating at the stadium. Even getting to the game can be rewarding, as you'll earn two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations. Go to usbank.com slash go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points or $200. If you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account, score big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com altitudego Altitude Go to apply. This is a limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursue it to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you that the celebrations are starting early this year? It turns out the perfect gift does exist. And who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below-the-waist grooming? Keep calm and let it all hang out this season with Manscaped's brand-new performance package 5.0 Ultra, featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice this holiday season by going to manscaped.com and use code POMP, P-O-M-P, for 20% off plus free shipping. They sent me a package last week, and this thing was absolutely incredible. It not only had Manscaped's new 5.0 Ultra mower, but it had a couple secret surprises as well. So go get yours today and get 20% off in free shipping by using code POMP POMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code POMP POMP. This episode is sponsored by PrizePix. Picks is the hottest game in daily fantasy, and I've been playing it every weekend. It's so simple. You just pick two to six players, you decide if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Let me give you an example. This weekend, I'm picking Justin Herbert to throw for over 252 passing yards against the Patriots, and I'm picking David Montgomery to score a touchdown against the Saints. Submitting an entry takes less than 60 seconds, and PrizePix offers projections on every sport you could imagine, from the NFL, to college football, to NBA, to Formula One, to UFC, and many other sports. And here's the best part. PrizePix is offering all of my listeners a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. So if you go download Prize Picks, use code JOEPOMP, J-O-E-P-O-M-P, all caps. Use code Pomp. If you deposit $50, they'll give you an additional $50 in money to bet. If you do $100, they'll give you $100. So go sign up for PricePix today and play daily fantasy sports with me. Tell them I sent you by using code Pomp when you sign up. Now, everyone knows sports owners today. Most of them are billionaires, and they sit in these luxury suites, and they entertain guests. And it's kind of like this vanity purchase for them where it's really just fun. Cuban was the exact opposite. I mean, if you go to a Mavericks game over the last few years, you can see Mark Cuban literally on the floor before games, getting a sweating, getting shots up. He's got his headphones in, and he knows how to play basketball. He's good. He's also yelling at refs. I think he's the most fined owner over the last 20 years. He's been fined more than any other owner because he yells at the refs. He talks crap about the commissioner on TV, on social media, whatever. He is really into it. And he also has courtside seats. He doesn't sit in a box. He sits right on the court next to the team. He's yelling the whole game. Again, he's super into it. He also traveled to virtually all of the away games on his private jet, and he even made his email public. This is one of the most fascinating things about Mark Cuban's ownership tenure. He made his email public, and he would ask fans to send him information about what he could do to make the game day experience better. And that's what he did. I mean, not only did he help the Dallas Mavericks build one of the NBA's best fan bases over the last two decades, but they went from middle of the pack in attendance. When he took over in 2000, 2001, they were literally middle of the pack. They were 14th in NBA attendance. If you fast forward and you look at today, 2023 to 2024 season, the Dallas Mavericks are literally number one in NBA attendance. So he totally changed the fan base around the game day experience and people bought it. Now, Cuban also famously delivered Dallas their first NBA championship by beating the Miami Heat, the LeBron led team in 2011. And many people thought he would never sell the team. I mean, if you think about it, is there another owner in sports that is more synonymous with their team than Mark Cuban? You could obviously say Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is up there, but who else? That list is super short, and Cuban is certainly at the top of that. And that's without even mentioning that the team has dramatically increased his public profile. So between NBA and the Shark Tank and everything else he's got going on, Mark Cuban is more popular than he's ever been. But that's why I think this $3.5 billion sale comes down to quite a few things. First off, maybe Mark Cuban isn't as bullish on the future of the NBA as he once was. Now, we all know that the league is currently out negotiating a new media rights deal that will generate an additional two and a half billion dollars plus for NBA owners and players. Everyone's been saying that they're going to triple rights. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they double media rights. That's still going to be a win for the NBA, its owners and its players. But the other thing that everyone needs to consider, and I've talked to other NBA owners about this, and they typically say that it's not this media rights negotiation they're worried about. It's the next. Not only is it the next media rights negotiation because of everything that's happening on the TV landscape. But you also have to remember what's happening at the local media rights perspective today, right? All of the RSNs are in trouble. They're all facing bankruptcy. And that's a big chunk of cash that could be missing from the balance sheets from a revenue perspective for these teams going forward. So when you consider that the future of the NBA might not be as promising as some people previously believed, it makes a lot of sense that Mark Cuban might want out at this point. Maybe he thinks the valuations have topped for a period of time and there's other things that he could be doing with his money. And when you add in the fact that a $3.5 billion valuation allows Cuba to take some serious money off the table. I mean, he bought the team for $285 million, and he most likely took distributions during those two decades. Plus, now you're going to sell it at a $3.5 billion valuation. I mean, this guy's taken billions of dollars in profit off. Again, when you add all those things up, he's not as bullish on the NBA because of the meteorite stuff. Plus, he's going to take billions of dollars off the table. And, 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 He gets to remain in control of basketball operations. It sounds like a pretty damn good deal for Mark Cuban right there. That's called chess. So, no, I don't think Mark Cuban is going to be running for president. He has said in the past that he doesn't want to put his family through that process. And there's actually nothing that would require him to sell the team if he wanted to run for president, especially considering he's going to be spending just as much time on the team considering he's running basketball operations. Instead, the more interesting part of this deal appears to be the Adelson family. Miriam Adelson will instantly be one of the NBA's wealthiest owners. She's 78 years old. She's a doctor from Israel that married casino legend Sheldon Adelson in 1991. And she is now the largest shareholder of Las Vegas Sands after Sheldon, her husband, passed away in 2021. Now, Mirian Adelson has a lot of money. Her net worth, according to Forbes, is $32.3 billion. That makes her the 35th richest person in the entire world and the fifth richest woman. But more importantly, she's now the third richest person in US pro sports. Steve Ballmer tops the list at $100 billion net worth with the Clippers. Rob Walton is number two with the Broncos, a $67 billion net worth. And Miriam Adelson is number three with a $32 billion net worth with the Mavericks. She's ahead of Dan Gilbert. She's ahead of David Tepper. She's ahead of Steve Cohen. She's ahead of everyone else in US professional sports. So the real question for some people was why would Miriam Adelson want to buy the Dallas Mavericks? Again, She's 78 years old and not getting any younger. She also lives in Las Vegas. She won't be running the team day to day considering Mark Cuban is still in charge of basketball operations. And she had to sell $2 billion worth of stock to do the deal. Well, it's more complicated than just your average billionaire wanting to have fun. The Adelson family has been trying to legalize casino gambling in Texas for years. Miriam Adelson, for instance, donated more than $2 million to Texas political campaigns last year and Las Vegas Sands, the parent company, hired 89 lobbyists in Texas. That was more than anyone had ever hired in a single year. Now, the resorting casino legislation that was up for grabs in Texas didn't end up making it past the House. As a reminder, those bills need to pass by a two-thirds majority vote in the House and the Senate before going to vote at an election. But Mark Cuban has also pushed for legalized casino gambling in the past. In fact, Mark Cuban told the Dallas Morning News last year that he hoped to partner with Las Vegas Sands to build a new resorting casino around the team's next arena. For context, the Mavericks' current arena, American Airlines Center, is more than 20 years old. And building a new arena with a resorting casino would add tremendous value to the franchise while also benefiting the state via jobs, tourism, and taxes. I have a quote here from Mark Cuban. He wrote this in an email to Legal Sports Report earlier this year. He said, I think what is misunderstood about the bill is that it's not a gambling bill as much of a tourism bill. Gambling is certainly a hook, but the real value to the state is to be a destination that people around the country and around the world plan a year in advance and save to go to. Texas is an amazing state, but there are not destinations that families, weddings, conferences, and even events dream of going to year round. Ask your out-of-state friends how often they save up and bring their family to Texas. Ask anyone how often they look forward to coming here during the summer you already know the answer. So while it's true that buying the Dallas Mavericks for $3.5 billion doesn't necessarily guarantee the Adelson family a casino and resort in Dallas, it certainly doesn't hurt. There are several other prominent Texas leaders, like Tillman Fertitta, owner of the Houston Rockets and Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino, and Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, that have donated millions of dollars to Texas political campaigns in the last 12 months. The American Airlines Center will have to be rebuilt at some point, Many Dallas residents are already skirting the law by driving 80 miles into Oklahoma to gamble, and the 22 other states with commercial casinos are making billions in additional taxes each year. So yes, the deal structure is super unique. I literally can't remember another sports owner who has sold the team but maintained control. But I really do also think that this is a win-win for everyone. For example, the Adelson family is getting a discount on an asset that they will hold for a long time. The Dallas Mavericks were previously valued at four and a half billion dollars, but they sold at a three and a half billion dollar valuation because presumably Mark Cuban gets to stay in charge. Now, Cuban is taking a little bit less money, and he's probably okay with that because he still cashes out over three billion dollars on the deal and he gets to keep control. And last but not least, Dallas. I mean, Dallas could eventually get a brand new privately financed one billion dollar arena downtown as long as they are willing to play ball with the casino crowd. Now, we'll see what happens over the coming years, but when you add those three things up, the benefits to the Adelson family, the benefits to Mark Cuban, and the benefits to the city of Dallas, this deal starts to make a lot more sense, and it could eventually make it so everyone makes billions of dollars on the deal. That's it for today, though, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, all I ask is that you share it with a friend or two friends or a colleague or your family or whoever. Help me help you by making this podcast bigger and better than ever before. I appreciate all of you. I hope everyone has a great weekend and we'll talk on Monday.